do have a clip. We'll put that for a clip. It's just cadaver. Hello, friends and probably family. It's time to meet your hosts. First up, we have the lean, mean studying machine, Max Scott. Hello, I study, and I'm lean, I guess. I don't know. That's all I got. And next to him, the budding philosophical polyp, Hunter Dorset. Damn it. What's a polyp? What's a po- it's like Look a, in a uh, mirror, jackass. Holy it's cow. It's like a tiny little growth from a, like a piece of coral or something. And I'm your host, Chase Williams. Welcome to episode 161 of Witty Banter. Max, it's good to have the whole crew here. Again. Yeah, we're all back in action every now and again. I give you guys a little bit of alone time, uh, and I, I heard it. It went very well. I enjoyed the last episode. You, you know, we both re- we both appreciate that. Yeah, I know you do. We need I know to know you what we're missing it. sometimes, you know? Yeah, I know. You guys just went on with the show without even mentioning that I wasn't there, really, until like yeah. the very end. You were just like, oh, fuck it. They'll figure it out. You got to have your rainy days to appreciate the sun. I figured, days, yeah. No, it was very nice. I enjoyed it myself. Well, look, there's so a lot of job. catching up to do. So let's go ahead and get the structure of the show out of the way, which comes from reviewing alcoholic beverages, which, by the right. way, I don't like the title, alcoholic beverages. So if you guys got something else to throw my way, let me know. Um. Oh. Um, uh, see, yeah, it's tough. So just chew on it. You could say beers and cocktails. I'm not or, saying or, cocktails. <laughs> yeah, it's because you're not using cocktails, actually. Yeah, so. Beers and liqueurs. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know. Really, we'll, we'll, we'll have to ponder it. we got to figure air. it out. Yeah. yeah. What are you guys sure. drinking Absolutely. today? You know, Max brought this. Do you want to you wanna talk about it, or do you want me? You know what? You do a big Let boy? me get it started. You analyze I'll everything round it out. And you, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So yeah. I brought over the Cyclers Brewing Domestic Wit. It's a Belgian style ale, handcrafted in Montgomery, Texas. Oh, yeah, right. I've never Montgomery's Montgomery. Like, yeah. Keeping yeah. it yeah. away. Trying to take it as local as possible, you Montgomery. know? And on the bottom, it says, Who is, wait, who is your dom- domestique? Is that how it is? Yeah, it's spelled it like domestic, but instead of with a C, it's Q U E. So, so domestique. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Really carrying but, the momentum in that first sentence. Yeah, thank you. Um, (laughs) But it's a Belgian style ale, so naturally I was drawn to it a little bit. Also, given the fact that it's a wit ale, it also should have a little bit of a, like an orangey flavor is normally what I think of, like citrus and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I thought it'd be a nice little combination. Yeah, but what do you you think about the Belgian styles coming out of a can? Because usually I feel like they're in bottles. Does that change the perception or the experience for you? It definitely looked different when I poured it. I feel like it just didn't have as much like frothiness you know as i normally mm. expect right yeah uh, but yeah it's very cloudy it's cloudy it's but not in a way that suggests that it has like a lot of sediment floating around it could be a little bit more wit it's like it it's kind of it's like a translucent cloudy if that yeah, makes sense absolutely. but on the back it says um our american version of a belgian wheat ale it's traditionally unfiltered Along with wheat, malts, and organic oats, this ale is infused with coriander, lavender, Ooh. and bitter orange peel. That which sounds gives it like a good a mix. slight lemony touch. Ooh. Aged hops, and yeah. there's very low level of hops in both taste and aroma. Dude. It doesn't have an ABV. Yeah, I was looking on the can, which is uh, I was pretty a calamity. When I saw that. But, yeah, um, problematic. How mad are you, dude? <laughs> Look at how mad he's getting. <laughs> but no, it looks it looks interesting, and I'm uh, I'm it's a it's one that I'm glad you brought. Yeah, thank you so much, Chase, Max. What you may you have noticed uh, that I'm on a tequila roll. The tequila I, I train has yeah. left the station. It's still going. I actually didn't <laughs> think I had as much tequila as we ended up having, but right. I think I've got one more on the docket. But the one that Damn I'm it. drinking today is the Espolon 
tequila blanco, and it is a eighty proof um, tequila. And cool. it's got a little write up on the bottle, which I think is pretty cool because I haven't seen other uh, spiritually do this. And it says, handcrafted in Los Altos, the Highlands region of Walisco, El Espelon, reveals the essence of Mexico. At its, course, at its core is the spirit of the iconic rooster, a symbol synonymous with Mexico's proud history. Our tequila is a tribute to the Mexican artists who inspired the world with their true portrayals of the rich, storied culture of Mexico. So I think that's pretty cool, man. They put, they put a lot of their identity into this. Nice. Yeah, most definitely. What's that? So we said that if it's not brewed in, te- in tequila, Mexico, it's something else, right? Yeah, and like take that with just a large, not grain of salt, but like you're not going to need to call upon that knowledge very often because most of what we get is tequila from tequila, Mexico, and like it would take more research for me to accurately really explain the rules and like understandings hmm. there, and I don't even really okay. know them, you know. But there it's is some there is stuff line. going on with that. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Well, cool. This is your first Blanco, huh? This is the second Blanco. The very first oh. one was a Blanco. And of Ooh. course, that means it's uh, aged like no less or no more than three weeks. But anyway, I poured this one up a good bit and I just put a single ice cube in there. So we'll see how it goes uh, later. But I want to hear about y- y'all's Fourth of July. Did you celebrate? Did you do anything? Right. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, no, I didn't. Hunter, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, you didn't eat a single hot dog? No, I did not. I didn't really do anything very 4th of July this year, really, at all. I don't know why. I just wasn't really feeling it. The day before, I just crushed that final that I was studying for, so I was kind of burnt out, and I just wanted to chill out, so I just hung out at home. You didn't do anything to celebrate the final crushing? No, I really didn't, other than just relax for one fucking second. That sounds kind of like a metal song, the final crushing. The final crushing, (laughs) absolutely. And that's what it would just be about taking a final. That'd be great, actually. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, so I just basically went to one of Mandy's friends and we did eat hot dogs and hamburgers. <laughs> uh, we had, um, this That's thing called about. this thing that I dubbed as a uh, gameception where we played a game of cards against humanity, but depending on who won the card, you would start a, a clockwise circle where you went around and played King's cup after that. Oh Yeah. So we played like a game within a game, and both were drinking games. Yeah. So it just got compounded, but it was fun. That's um, awesome. I too played a new drinking game this Fourth of July called Beer Die. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, it's mm-hmm. great! I love Dude, Beer it's Die. It's a lot of fun. What yeah. is it? Somebody explain it to me. You basically Four throw corners. this dice in the air, and if it hits the table and bounces off, the other team has to catch it with one hand. And there's a bunch of variations to that rule, and it's a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, that and was you, awesome. if you're really boss, you have four beers at the edge. Of the four corners of the table, right? And if you're a boss, you can throw the die in and land it on the uh, one on the other side of the table in one of those beer cups. Oh, very cool! That kind of like a super points. pong situation, yeah. but you know, with the single or like side. a cornhole, yeah, ish, exactly. But uh, but yeah, so that's what I did. Yeah, dude, nice. So I I went to an apartment uh, that some friends of Darian's have, and it overlooks the Bay of San Diego, and we could Ooh. see literally three different fireworks shows from our vantage point <laughs> that were all going at the same time, and it was Damn. epic as fuck. And then after that, I found out that they had like Guitar Hero World Tour for the Wii, and I put it <laughs> on, and dude, I there had one of the most hilarious moments of guitar hero of my life i'm sitting there playing it's like songs i've never played before because it's world tour which is like an iteration we never owned but this kid next to me was legitimately like mind blown tone in his voice 
oh my god dude like <laughs> watching me hit these <laughs> series of notes and like i was in hysterics i could hardly even keep my composure i was laughing so hard it was a great it was a great moment Gee, for sure. Any chance that I think any three of us have to get onto the Guitar Hero. It's been so long for any, me, dude. It doesn't, dude, it doesn't matter. Even yeah, if you're ready, it <laughs> blows everybody's mind. Yeah. Like, holy cow. He's not even strumming on those parts. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah. God damn it. Oh, oh man. man. That sounds uh, great. To keep sort of the catch-up rolling, I don't know if you guys saw, like, just recently... Uh, something came across my timeline, which is that Broly is going to be in the new Dragon Ball Super movie. Mm. And I know you guys were like stoked about that new film from the first trailer. And now we yeah. know that Broly is going to be into it. I just wanted to see if that gets like especially Hunter pumped up to watch it or anything. Totally. Uh, I mean, it does for me. I think that Broly is one of those weird characters that like he's a movie character. Right. So he's not even considered canon in that sense mm -hmm. but everybody just loves him so much that they've already accepted him that way and then he's in like you know dragon ball fighters which shows that like the creators view him that way too mm. as well right and i think something about like the newer movies like the last one that came out obviously was like a part of the new series that came out as well so that made it a little bit more canonical than some of these more obscure ones mm -hmm. but i think it's cool they're putting him in there and i think it's also i know like the newer villain is something sane related as well which i think is tight so yeah I you know, I, I never really did a much of a deep dive into any of the Broly. Like, I know about Broly's backstory and stuff. I never really was super interested in it or thought that the movie's story was, like, that great or anything. I just thought he was a cool-looking and rowdy fucking character. Yeah, like and a giant Super Saiyan. As far as the movies themselves go, the way I think about it was, like, the first one was kind of like... Um, they made him so rowdy that it was like they kind of had a cop out to beat him at the yeah, very yeah, end. Yeah, for sure. Like, like the, oh, the we just punch him in the stomach and he explode. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> come on, man. Spoilers, dude. punches there literally the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, we've been wailing on this dude. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one, you know, like not even Lava could beat him. But then they had the three, Lava's the father-son, yeah. Goku... <laughs> You know, yeah, Goku, Goten, Gohan. Moment. Yeah, that's a good so moment. So that is actually a satisfying ender. Yeah, right, for sure. I'm just wondering, because they also had like a bio, bio Broly, Broly was terrible, which I did not see. Didn't want to see it. Yeah, probably not worth it. And so I'm just wondering, like, you know, is there a... Is there another iteration that could really get me jazzed? Well, you know, it's like, I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to act like the other movies already happened. Like, is Broly back... Again, because they never acknowledge the movies as canon. Well, so is that the thing now? Is like this the formal canon introduction of Broly? This could be. I don't I really know. I think it might be. I hope he still takes Vegeta's head and then laughs while yeah. he's running him across the building. <laughs> yeah. He's like, gah, 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 yeah. like ah. that was yeah. awesome. That like was a classic true. Yamcha fuck you yeah. moment. Yeah. <laughs> that was super tight. Mm -hmm. Oh man, but, but that's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm stoked about that. I'm right interested on. in this new movie. Yeah, for sure. I'm. Well, I'm sure we'll all watch it and be able to talk about mm -hmm. it a little I'm looking forward to it For uh sure. so all right so we also have a little bit of like musical reverberation from the last episode that we got to check up on one Ooh. that Greek clarinetist Kitsos Harisiadis is indeed Greek he lived okay. on the border of like Greece and Albania and like just made it down to Athens a few times to record music and there's apparently like 75 reels of his songs and that's all we've got so that dude's the real deal it's crazy because cool. jazz made it to greece in 1920s right, right? that's nuts wow yeah. that is awesome um yeah, second 
Hunter went to Chicago and got to see Radiohead in concert. And so you just got to literally spill all the details right now, man. Oh, yeah. It was really dope. Um, it was interesting, man. They uh, opened with... First off, first off, Blake uh, used Craigslist to try and get tickets. And what do you know? They ended up being fake. He was like, no, no trust oh me, man. God. It'll work out. Because <laughs> he's done it before, but they were fake. So we kind of had to like scramble. We oh, got shit. it. shit. Nice. Um, got floor uh, GA, you know, uh, tickets. And oh, yeah, the first baby. opener was like this collaboration with Johnny Greenwood and this like Israeli composer guy. And then this band of like Arabic, just uh, like drums Dude, and accordions. And that sounds fucking awesome. It was pretty cool. I'll tell you this, though. Yeah. It, it was hard for me to completely get into it. Like, really? what, like what was up with it? It just it just sounded like what you would listen to if you went to like a really hopping, uh, like Middle Eastern uh, get together or something. That sounds awesome. It sounds yeah. cool, but it's like uh, it wasn't anything that was like um, it wasn't. You know, you go to a Radiohead show for kind of like some stimulation that's not just like clapping your hands and stuff, and that's kind of like what it was. I don't know. I just. I thought it was great. It was like clearly they're very good at what they do. The drumming's mm -hmm. cool, the singing's cool, the accordion and like the guitars work and stuff is cool. It was just like hard for me to really like get beyond like a first level of like, oh, like I appreciate this and respect this. Right. You know? Okay, like I yeah, wasn't like sure. Yeah, I just wasn't like, oh, let me get their album or something. You know? Oh right, yeah. Um but it was like a cool and interesting opener and watching Johnny Greenwood kinda like put normal chords in with like you know, not normal sounding uh, cultural music was kind of interesting. Nice. Um, and then, yeah, the show was great. I uh, had a great set list. They played for like fucking two hours and 45 minutes, which oh, is like longer man. than Dude. they usually do. Two encores. That's so long. Yeah. Um, oh, damn it, man. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, so it was great. It wasn't the best performance that I've seen of them. Like Johnny Gr or uh, Tom York, like forgot the entire verse of Dex Dark. Holy um, shit. That's not okay. <laughs> it's a, I mean, I couldn't remember the lyrics either because I yeah. haven't listened to them in a you're long You're like time. checking them. You're like, no, I was that right. Stuff, Those aren't right. That stuff bothers me though. Like I've seen footage of Tom York doing like solo shows where he like kind of messes up even main parts of his uh, riffs and his music and people kind of laugh it off. He laughs it off and it's supposed to be, I guess, cute. But at the same time, it's like, dude, I pay a lot of money to see you because of your status uh, as a musician. And it's kind of weird to see you fucking up in front of me, you know? Right. Yeah, it is. But it's like at the same time, like people fuck up. Yeah. It's humanizing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then plus it was the first, it was the first show of the tour. It was the kickoff show of their tour. Yeah. Um, That's good. That means I have a chance to see them. Well, they're only going. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they're only going in the Northeast and Canada. That's the huh. only places in North America that they're going. So, huh. um, but it was great, man. It was fantastic. I got to hang out with fucking Cole Blair for like two straight days. Fuck yeah! yeah. It Very was cool. awesome, and we got to go to like the Art Institute in Chicago. Got to uh, see the Bean. Got to watch FIFA at like two different Irish pubs. It's pretty cool. Very Sounds cool, like a kick-ass weekend, man. Well, let's Sounds go like ahead awesome and flip weekend. over to Witty Banter because that was a long catch-up session. Here it is. Yeah, thanks for letting me uh, save that one, guys. Um, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so for this section, I prepared for you uh, some information that's coming out of an article from The Intercept, which is an online uh, magazine that focuses on like digital security and privacy and stuff like that. Uh, right. it, okay. it was first launched in February 2014, funded by Pierre Omidyar, who was a founder from eBay. And it initially started to report on documents released by Edward Snowden. So that's kind of where this... Uh, outlet got its start and how long it's been around. And their first report was a breaking um, report on the U.S.'s targeted killing program. So that's, they're kind of, they're, they're a very serious outlet, right? Yeah. Uh, and the title of the article is The NSA's Hidden Spy Hubs in Eight U.S. Cities. And the authors are Ryan Gallagher and Henrik Moltke. Uh, this article is like super long and extremely detailed and took me like 45 minutes to get through top to bottom, and I'd literally recommend it to anybody. I think it's really interesting because what I was figuring out as the article begins is it highlights these previously unidentified buildings in eight major U.S. cities that are Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Los Angeles, New York City, San Francisco, Seattle, and Washington. Hmm. And these these cities each house facilities that are owned and operated by AT&T that contain networking equipment that transports large quantities of internet traffic across the United States and the world. And <laughs> the first like third of this article was them um, using classified NSA documents, public records, and interviews with former uh, AT&T employees to validate the, like to confirm that the buildings that they were showing were in fact these buildings. And watching this, outlet spend this much time with that kind of backup just to name these buildings visually and into the public made me recognize that though I'm like kind of on the periphery of this subject this was like a very serious thing they were trying to put out there mm-hmm. so, so hold on I'm, I'm just trying to get my head wrapped around at the beginnings of it sure the the buildings are owned by AT&T correct and how does NSA play into it as well all right, so that's going to be a big major t- like part of okay. what right. of, of, oh, of what cool, this cool, whole cool. news story right. is about. Um, cool. So basically, these facilities that AT and T owns are uh, are run. They're like pinpoints where internet traffic via like actual cable fiber fiber cables uh, mm-hmm. runs through. And gotcha. how it works is whenever ISPs are at like capacity on their network through different policies between the companies, they can kind of pay for uh, bandwidth on other networks. And because hmm. AT&T can, is so large within their resources and their infrastructure, they can transport a huge amount of data, which means a lot of smaller ISPs and thus much of the world's traffic routes through uh, these eight facilities. And this is hmm. both domestically in the United States, but also AT&T has... Um, has their network in 149 countries, and over 99% of global internet traffic runs through these uh, AT&T's networks, uh, and that like <laughs> that's the scope that we're talking about. It's like megalithic how much data is running through AT&T's network, and specifically through these like eight specific houses. Wow. Okay. Okay. I'm and there. S- <laughs> 
All right. Yeah. So another reason why so much traffic runs through it is just because of it's like the U.S.'s geographical location, like on the earth, just because it's sort of between these two major hubs of population. And the NSA calls this like a quote unquote home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. anyway, how the NSA and AT&T start becoming complicit in each other's actions is the NSA. So the sp- spokespeople for AT&T said the company was required by law to provide information to the government and law enforcement entities by complying with court orders, subpoenas, lawful discovery requests, and other legal requirements. So here we have the NSA tapping into AT&T's network, uh, forcing them to give information. And because they have so much data, they ha- the NSA has basically access to 99% of the Internet's traffic, which is hmm. fucking insane, right? And the yeah. whole purpose of this report is to say that AT&T works hand-in-hand with NSA. They don't give any sort of roadblocks or anything, and they like willfully do what the NSA asks, and they make the NSA's life much easier. And where this mm. becomes problematic is it's illegal without an individual warrant to get internet data or metadata from domestic sources in the United States. But after 9-11, what they started doing is they started collecting that same data whenever a domestic U.S. resident would talk to a foreign actor. So they basically mm. increased how much, uh, how much data they were siphoning off and started implying U.S. residents in more of their communication sweeps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any questions so far? I feel like I've been going for a while. I, well, it's I a guess, lot of info. So, yeah. I, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, we're saying that, that that NSA gives like court orders and warrants or whatever to be able to access some of the or however much information. Do the court orders and warrants does it say anything about what those consist of? Like, you know, it, it, let's say I think we said ninety nine percent of traffic at least funnels through at least some point through AT and T. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's all through these eight houses. Yes. Okay, so I'm just saying like. Say NSA gives a court order, hey, I want to be able to access some shit. Does that mean that they can just do whatever they want with the 99% or is it like a specified uh, amount of data or uh, uh, you know, specification of data that right. they're allowing themselves to do? I guess I'm just curious if so you I can would know this. the difference. Okay, cool. Um, a part of the complicit nature of AT&T's relationship with the NSA is quite literally working with them to make hardware that siphons data off dependent on uh, intelligence priority filtering. So the NSA basically says these are the types of the communications that we that intelligence views as highly uh, prioritized. And mm. can you please filter your data in this way? AT&T says yes, no problem. And when they do that, there's these repositories. And anytime these flags from the NSA um, go off in these data trafficking, it gets siphoned off into this gigantic database that the NSA has access to at any point in time, right? Mm. So they're collecting obscene amounts of data based on criteria that they've given to AT&T via hardware that AT&T and the NSA have developed together to get this data into this repository. And what becomes mm. messed up is like after 9-11, they were in a, the NSA was acting illegally in its, in its um, collection of domestic data via international actors. And basically, it's just like kind of a slap on the wrist. The NSA is like, oh, shit, you know, sorry, we won't do it again. We'll work with AT&T to make sure it doesn't happen anymore. AT&T says, oh, okay, we'll change our protocols and we'll do what the NSA asks in a different way this time. And the 
uh, relationship just sort of kind of continues. So what happens ultimately, what I kind of got through uh, this article is like a lot of data is swept up, swept up indiscriminately because we can grab any international data that we want. The only time things change or when the NSA is like directly called out for it being unlawful and then AT&T are basically ready to help them change and adapt to whatever they got to do to get the heat off of them again. And, you know, the NSA, as far as I think our generation has been exposed to, is always highly problematic, is always seen as like a violator of freedoms and privacy. And so mm-hmm. I thought this was a really something that was important just by virtue of how in-depth this report was from this website, you know. Right. I think that it should. Well, I mean, I think it provides a more objective and proof driven concept to give people other than just the fact that like it, anything you put on the internet, man, you can take it and they can use it against you. And like, you know, I see people like that and I think of like, Oh, the zeitgeist, I get it. Yeah, of course. And like you, like, you know, I, I, I look at them and I tend to think that like, you know, like you're, you're making a big deal about something, but I also 100% have always believed that up until now. Like that I never, totally possible. I yeah. never at any point in my life ever thought that like anything that I've ever put on the internet is safe or sacred at any point, right? Yeah, or anything smart, that I use yeah. as a communication device. And because the internet has now expanded to everything, which is my phone, which is like pretty much any form of communication at all, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Then I like would 100% believe this to be the case. I think that's also just how government works too in general, right? Like I don't know enough about the laws of government to sit here and tell you exactly like what is wrong with the way that the NSA is operating or doing things, especially given it, it's pri- well, it's privacy right? laws, right? Like does it up, yeah. like you're you're kind of saying like oh, this is the way it is. This is, you know, whenever I hear this information, it somehow doesn't surprise me, but I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not informed enough to really comment on it. But just yeah. like from your gut feeling you know, the kind of stuff that makes it into it's, these yeah. NSA, these kind of NSA repositories are full context emails, IM chats, mm-hmm. web histories, webcam yeah. photos, information on your da- on all your downloads from online services, uh, Skype yeah. session ma- metadata. And mm-hmm. does it make you upset that like you can't have a private life on the Internet? And not only that, but they can essentially just take as much information dis- indis- as indiscriminately as they want. Like, do you not do you think that they should be allowed to do that? I mean, I don't know. And I don't think that I'm like in a position to really answer that myself because I I just I feel like me personally in my own data, I don't mind because mm. it's not anything that I hold to be that like, I don't know, like, I guess I do think it's personal to me, but it's not something that when brought up to the level of like the highest forms of government would be important to them, nor would like make me uncomfortable with them knowing, you know what I mean? Like, it's not uncomfortable for me for them to know my Google doc with the brethren script on it. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it doesn't make (laughs) me uncomfortable. And like, do I think that they should just be allowed to go into my Google docs and take anything and like, look at it? Like inherently no. no, Right. But also at the same time, like it doesn't really phase me that much, you know? Cause Mm -hmm. I feel like at some point I would just be saying, well, I just don't want you to look at it because it's mine. Right. You know? And then I'm not sure where the line gets drawn to where like, if they're doing it for the protection of everybody, where somebody who is doing something within malice or using a form of communication with somebody that they could somehow like secure and find Mm -hmm. to stop something that could ultimately like prevent the loss of lives or injuring of people, then like I will sacrifice them looking into my Google docs. Hmm. Right. But I'm also, I know it's a slippery slope because then you do that and you say, yeah, do whatever you want. Then in the future, then it becomes no holds barred and then nothing is private and then nothing is sacred. Right. Yeah. And and I, I, my understanding, like I, I heard the, 
juxtaposition of these two words and thought it was poignant, which was um, we don't we don't want to be like uh, not accountable for our actions. We just don't want to be surveilled. One hundred percent. Yeah. Like we want like there's a difference between privacy and um, absolute no like survey like or surveillance. You know what I mean? Like being able to be subject to everything that you have. I guess like the way that I think of the internet right now, it just seems like packets of data of everything that I'm doing is just being shot across the internet, right? Right. And there's not much protection. There's not much encryption. And so it doesn't... No, it doesn't surprise me that the government can and does collect a shit ton of that data. It does surprise me that we're saying that 99% of it is funneled through AT&T, especially given that um, you know, like in Europe, a lot of European countries and China and Russia, like they're super uh, information security, like paranoid, you mm-hmm. know? So like the ability to think that maybe the NSA could access 99% of the traffic that's happening on the global internet sounds kind of crazy to me. Right. I might have to, to, to double check that. Yeah. I believe um, it, man. Like they, they literally have like, thousands of words with uh nsa documentation like explaining and showing the networks and all of that it's it's fucking wild yeah no i'm not saying it's not true it's just like kind of boggling or mind-boggling um but yeah i'm along the same lines as you and i think that it just kind of harkens back to me the overall sort of conceptual it's a little bit of a conspiracy theorist question, but it's a, it's asking about I think when we when we got on the internet, we were like, "Cool, I can access all this information. I can talk to anyone I want all over the all over the globe. I can share videos, I can stream videos. It felt like ultimate freedom. But as we learn stuff like this, it feels like it's the opposite of freedom. <laughs> like it feels like I cannot be free because I have no ability to be able to do something online without maintain privacy. without it being yeah. surveilled, right? right? So it sounds just kind of, not, not, not in an absolute way, because you could just not, you could use the internet way less or not at all, right? And so you, you could get you off could, the yeah. grid, right? Yeah. But, but, but if, you're, if you choose to be complicit in using the internet, um, it doesn't feel like it's this grandiose freedom anymore. It feels kind of like this, like, well, I I better not be doing anything stupid, you know, and like yeah. I hope I don't trip the wrong trigger or whatever because it could be taken the wrong way. But that's you know, I don't know. yeah. Look, I and think and that yeah, just to just to close this out in one final yeah. point that I do want to ask you guys is I want to present two different things, Max. From a feeling based sort of remembrance, mm-hmm. I remember a time when I found your sketchbook in your room when we were younger. And I mm-hmm. went to open it up and read it or look at it because I really wanted to see right. your drawings. And you were very adamant. You're like, no, you do not get to see that. Right. And in my, I want to know if there's any sort of connection there between basically what's happening is anyone can look into any one of your notebooks at any time here. Right. And then my second sort of part that I want to put to you guys is I feel like growing up on the Internet, those freedoms and the technology came first. And because of that, the rights that we didn't know that we needed or would or had weren't codified in law yet. And I'm wondering if it's this sort of behavior that we'll end up curbing in the future to give ourselves more privacy. And if that would be something kind of worth 
advocating for, you know? Right. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, if you were to take an example like that, you'd be taking an example out of time to when we were a lot younger. And I think that our relationship with each other is a lot more personal than my relationship with my government. Hmm. Yeah. And for me, like I was talking, like I said before, like I, there are definitely personal things in there, but I don't mind the government seeing as much as I would mind maybe people around me immediately seeing. Yeah. Right. And I think it's a big difference. And then also when it comes to like, my sketchbook that has my drawings in it and I don't want my friend Chase to see him is because I'm afraid that some of those might be bad and my personal relationship with Chase could be altered or hindered or I could mm. be socially like, you know, ridiculed in some way. It's given a my personal, Right. There's a yeah. sense of vulnerability there. Um, that being said, if you were to take us now and if you were to go into my room and find a sketchbook, I would not care if you looked into it <laughs> because I know that that's like, you know, I've learned now within 27 years that I've like, understand that that's not that important to me. Mm -hmm. And because of that feeling is why initially I'm okay with the idea of somebody looking into my privacy for the sake of a greater security. Hmm. Right. Yeah. But I do understand that there is a feeling of being uncomfortable that is definitely there. But whenever I've ever heard somebody who take, take this argument and try to uh, really like explain to me in an objective way why your personal privacy over things that technically, when you take them out, do not like get you thrown in jail, get you turn it, put in, get you in trouble yeah, or anything. Benevolent. Things that until are literally they just do. yeah, until they do right. But at this moment, aren't anything that you're doing bad or anything that they just don't like the feeling or there's this weird feeling? I've never heard anybody explain to me in a way that felt like logical. That made me under. That made me like be like, you know what, you are right. That's why we shouldn't let anybody do that. Yeah. Even though it could lead to this big, like, greater scheme of security that could be way better. There's a good example. There's a radio lab that I listened to a long time ago. Yeah. Is it the Eye in the Sky? The Eye in the Sky. Yeah, right. It's a great one. And that's a really great episode because when you really sat down with people, when it was just this giant ship that was in the in the air, it was this giant plane that just slowly circled around a city and had a million cameras on it, and it just kept an eye on everything at all moments of time outside that you could visibly see. Yeah. But people didn't like that, even though when they like implemented it for like however long it was, like the month, crime was like. Like cartels within yeah. the city were taken down yeah. because they could go back through. But then when you interviewed people who were on the streets and asked them about it, they would just say that they didn't like it because it felt weird to be yeah. watched in surveillance. <laughs> Which all the is time. not very compelling. Which is not a compelling argument to me when your son or your father or somebody could get kidnapped and killed. Yeah. And it could be prevented because but we can't do that now because somebody else feels kind of weird walking around and having somebody look at them. I don't yeah. like that argument. That's yeah. not safe I, to me. I, I completely understand what you're saying. Yeah. And, and, and to go off of what you're talking about, curbing legislation, and, and uh, if, if there are ways that we're going to go about being able to carve out privacy for ourselves, I think that's going to happen by sophistication of the internet. And I think, like, for instance, blockchain is a tangent of that, right? Like, right. blockchain is an encryption-based um, network that is highly... Uh, built upon the idea of privacy. So and and so I think the 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 notion that not only are we going to start getting more maybe sophisticated, the market has the answer, huh? Yeah, maybe. You know, I mean, yeah. I, we're going to get more sophisticated with our ability to be able to uh, sculpt um, software and and networks, but also even hardware like 
quantum computers, right? And of course, fucking the government's going to have quantum computers before we have quantum computers. But I, 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 think I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that assumption. It's, it's, it's not necessary, necessarily true, but I don't think it's something I would bet against. <laughs> but, but I guess I'm just saying, like, I think we're going to get a lot more sophisticated with the internet that we're exposed to because it really, and we call, we say it all the time, it really was the Wild West. We're literally just sending packets of data across the internet, and there's no real security in place other than, like, firewalls and, like, you know, fucking trying to encrypt it with a shitty password or whatever. Like, that... That is weak, but we're becoming a lot more sophisticated with our ability to be able to sculpt networks. And I think that is, right now, our main kind of light at the end of the tunnel that we will be able to kind of carve out some privacy for ourselves, at least a little bit, right? Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's foolproof or that, like, um, the government won't be able to decrypt shit that is on blockchain or any of these other advancements, but it gives us at least kind of like a barrier to entry from them just taking whatever they want you know so All right. cool well thank you guys for entertaining me on a little bit of an extended uh witty banter segment there i thought this was a super juicy article i read it like two weeks ago and i've been kind of just waiting to bring it on the show so appreciate that hopefully the audience found it interesting let's take a quick break and go to halftime all right if you want to keep up with the show after the microphones have turned off, be sure to follow us on social media by searching Witty Banter Show on Twitter and Instagram and liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. Want to steer the conversation or be a part of the show? Just go on down to wittybantershow.com and leave us a suggestion for a beer or a question for us to answer on the show. And if you like what we're doing and you want to support the cause, head on over to iTunes and leave a review and feel free to share it with your friends. Let's get back to it. Beep up, beep up. Beep up, beep beep. Better, beep beep. How is the the wit beer from a can? The wit beer from a can. Um, sounds like a really romantic title <laughs> of a movie. Um, I'm gonna tell you, man, it's sour. It is tart, and it is strong with the flavors that it listed on the side. Well, maybe not all of them, right? Bitter orange peel definitely comes orange through. peel for sure. The citrus, the lemon, and the orange peel are definitely there. But if you were to read all those flavors, like lavender and coriander, I feel like those are more interesting flavors that I don't necessarily pick up because of how strong these other flavors are. I so agree. It reminds me almost of how a goza is described because goza right. is often tart, sour, has coriander, and has lemon. You know, Does it's, it kind of taste like a goza? Yeah. Yeah. If you were to hand me this and tell me it was a goza, I think I would like not even question that. In I the think least I bit. would guess it was a goza. I would probably predict a goza. Yeah, right? it's, it's that sour. It's sour AF, and it as looks the kids would say. like a goza. Like this is just kind of how. A Wait goza a minute! Looks. It looks like a salt. Sounds delicious. Is this a goza? <laughs> yeah, I guess it sounds um, right up your alley. Yeah, that being said, I think I like this more than I like most gozas I've had. Yeah, because I do think that it's not as like <laughs> extreme as some of the gozas that it's. It's <laughs> not as like salty. It's yeah. just more tart. Yeah. I think. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I think the I think the core like the lavender and coriander are there, but they really are kind of outplayed. Right. By the other stuff, like I would be willing for them to sacrifice some of the tartness so I could try to some maybe of the get yeah. some of that flavor. Yeah. On the yeah. But uh, but it's taste. it's good. It's clearly a well like it's a well made beer. I think yeah. you know it's and it's definitely interesting and different. So. I'm glad you brought it, and I'm glad I got to try it. Yeah, so far, so good. All right, guys. The Espelon Tequila 
So on, on my first sip, uh, immediately, it had this sort of heightened heat to it. And kind of like that heat and strength I typically associate with tequila. And hmm. when I drank it on the first few sips, I was like, dude, this is, this is like a perfect margarita tequila. Because hmm. that sweetness from the agave has been diminished a little bit. And whenever I drink margaritas, if it is too sweet, either because they put too much agave in it, or maybe there's just a lot of sweetness in the tequila itself, it usually detracts from like my experience with it because then I'm like worried about how much agave they put in there. And I'm like, Oh, I can't enjoy this or whatever. This one is very much like it's drier. Logically. We've all been there. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not alone. This one's drier. It somehow tastes hotter and more alcoholic despite being 80 proof. Whereas the last two were a hundred and it doesn't seem as like nuanced with like a a bunch of flavors, kind of like the last two did, but instead this one just seems bolder. Uh, and I can't really put my finger yet on what the tasting notes are. I think there is still like a floral character that I can feel in the mouth a little bit and kind of the backbone of the, uh, of just like the, like the, the entire profile, but I'm still kind of reaching for those like one or two specifics, but this thing's good. I'm able to drink it alone, but I also think it would make dynamite margaritas. Right on. That's great. That's, That's a good, good suggestion. Definitely. I like that you're using the word bold to describe all your tequilas because I feel like when you drink tequila, you get kind of bold. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. You're one, it you're like, rowdy. I know you the word. Two points bolder. Forehead yeah, for forward sure. kind of yeah. <laughs> I'll do some karaoke I'm a great up there. Dancer. No, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> I can talk to anybody oh, I want. You're witty. You're fine. Yeah, yeah. Don't talk <laughs> they to They want to talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good joke. They just don't have any humor. Yeah, yeah. I'm the funny one. You guys just don't know how funny I am. <laughs> Fucking squares. Yeah, I feel that way all the time. All right. All right, cool. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I was worried for this day to finally return because the competition's about to get kickstarted again. Max, you're bringing a game for us. Let's let's do Look, it. Look, it's been a while since we've played a game on the show. We've gotten a little sedentary. We've gotten a little buddy-buddy amongst us. We've been spitballing, being like, hey, what do you think? Maybe a little rusty. I agree with that. Let me build ass. on that, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's out the window because we're taking it back. A return of a classic. We're going to be playing Heroes or Zeros today. We got a tart even... beer and we're about to get tart with each other. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> see, I don't um, even know like where we stand on who's going first and all that. Hunter, I think we're starting a new series here. Yeah, this yeah. Is, yeah exactly. The new season started. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Uh, we're opening game. This might Actually, we'll make this an exhibition before the season starts. Let's yeah. warm it up a bit, right? Uh, if you forgot how Heroes or Zeros works because we haven't played it in so long... All right, Heroes or Zeroes works when I'm going to present my two contestants here, or one at a time, I guess, with a detailed analysis of a hero or a superhero or supervillain mm-hmm. from a comic book, right? And then I'm going to describe them all, and then he's going to have to tell me whether or not that is an actual hero that exists in some form of comic book material, mm-hmm. or if I just made him up from within my head, yeah. right? Okay. Cool. Pretty easy concept, right? Uh, shouldn't be too hard. So on here, I believe I have seven different things. Okay. Right? But we'll go ahead and we'll just give you each three. That way I have one left over if we need to do some form of a tiebreaker. Gotcha. Right? Um, does anybody want to go first? I know it's kind of an exhibition. I have a question kind of about the rules, man. I, you Let's know, hear it. I got to have the rules. Go. Let's go. If somebody, if some, or do we have any chance to steal if somebody uh, says, oh, I think it's this, and yeah, are you going to ask okay, me? Yeah, mechanics yeah. Here. yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, cool. So I, let's say I offer it to you, Hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are the only person who can answer. Yeah. And if you answer in a certain way, Chase could come over here, and he could say, hey, 
fuck that. Yeah. No fucking way. That's yeah. a zero. But you have to get one right first to do that, right? right? Exactly. You have to have, you have a point. Have a point. To you have to have a point to okay. wager, right? You gotcha. can wager a point for another point, right? Okay. All right. That's not your turn. Dude, okay? let's start it off, man. Hunter, you look like you're ready to hit it. You want to go first? I'm I'm yoked. You got right. it. Give him the greens. All right, Hunter. Give me a number one through seven here. Four. Four. I don't know why I keep covering this up. You wouldn't be able to. It doesn't matter if you see them or not. <laughs> it doesn't sell you on here. Yes, All it right. Does. <laughs> it totally number matters. four here. Okay. Drumnail. Drumnail. Real name, Morris Pinus. First appearance, Daredevil, Volume 2, number 13 of May of 1972. Okay. After being left alone to work overtime hours on a construction site, Pinus was electrocuted during a thunderstorm that surged through all the equipment. When he awoke, he discovered that he had, the psychic connect- <laughs> that he had a psychic connection with his machinery giving him the ability to operate the equipment, such as his jackhammers and nail gun, simultaneously with extreme precision. He could also operate the machines from afar. Pinus turned to a life of crime, almost defeating Daredevil, by disorientating him with the loud sounds of his machinery in an attempt to catch him off guard, but ultimately lobotomizing himself when he ironically removed his hard hat during the fight. Hmm. The construction-themed superhero. This seems like a, a tightly wound backstory. Right, like a, like a well constructed, literally, you know. Oh, I mean, like that, you got that's a smart pun. In yeah, there. that's good. <laughs> you got. I mean, you got a guy. I, I'm. I, I don't know much about Daredevil, but right. when I think of the city of Daredevil, I'm thinking of a lot of construction and a lot Hell's of kitchen. Yeah, you know? you know, New York didn't build itself. I don't know where drum comes into it. You know, drum nail seems kind of weird. Right. Um, all the other stuff seems really plausible. I thought Pinus sounded like a kind of silly name. Um, I I gotta weigh the the goods over the bads, and I gotta say it sounds real. I'm gonna say it's real. That's real. Yeah. Chase, you agree it's real? I would have said the same. You would have said the same. All right. So no steal, and Hunter says that it's real. Well, guys, that's a zero right there. Oh. <laughs> wow, dude, that's the thing. You well gotta be careful. Done. You're telling them about how like tightly wound it is, well constructed. Yeah, You're just handing out, handing it over to the host, dude. Yeah. Oh boy, yeah, that's He's okay. Got one that's point okay. Now. That's good. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah you give myself a point okay, in that yeah, if nobody okay. gets it right. All right, dude. Give me number one. Number one. Mistress Follicle. <laughs> Real name: Susie Sue. First appearance: Deadpool. The Circle Chase, Volume 6, February of 1994. The owner of a successful salon, Sue discovers that her amazing abilities of working with hair stem from her secret alien heritage, and soon discovers that she has the ability of hair manipulation, where she can control not only her own hair, but the hair of her foes, using them as a weapon, an extra appendage, or even forcing it to grow and to attack its own owners. Mm. Luckily enough for Deadpool... Sue's powers were hindered as his entire body is hairless since his horrific accident slash mutation with Weapon X that she didn't know of. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's good. That's it. Yeah. That, right. like, it's, it seems like a powerful power. There's joke <laughs> right. potential there because, like, what? however she discovers <laughs> that, I think would be a little right. goofy. Like, she's going to be localized inside of a barber shop one day and it's just going to go down. Right. I think the capacity of using other people's bodies against them in her attacks is comedic and slapstick. Right. And it a perfect foil that Deadpool does not have hair. 
So, right. Max, if this is a zero, fucking bravo, because I have to go with Hero. Hero. Hunter, what do you think? you have faith in me to create such a perfect well, he, hero? Now does he have I a, do. Does he have a point <laughs> to a wager? I mean, fuck. Um, uh, I'll, yeah, I mean... Oh, you don't even have a point to wager, yeah. but I guess I, I, I don't. I, but, yeah, I, I, would, I would probably say that this also seems very tightly wound. Um, but given my recent thing, I'm, I'm skeptical, so I'm going to say, no, I think it's a zero. You would have said it was a zero? Yeah. Given prior experience. Given prior experience. Well, gang... Mistress Follicle doesn't exist. Dang. I Damn, made dude. her up as well. All right. It's happening. It's happening, all right. You give him time. No points on the board. I was you worried. You let him draft a few, dude. It, it happens, man. I was worried with the return here. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm like, if they get all these answers right, I, what am I even? Am I even I think a game warden? Kind of am I even on the show the, anymore? Yeah. I, I, I think that's what made the hiatus because me and Mac, or me and Chase were in your head for a bit. Yeah, for sure. You guys were understanding how like the game meta was working, and yeah. then I had to change how I was creating characters, and maybe it's hindering myself. <laughs> Dude, Who knows? the company is, brought out a new expansion. They've changed some of the core mechanics. We're back. For in. sure, yeah. <laughs> the, we just released a patch. We're back. Balance changes just came out. Hunter, give me a number. Not one, not four. Okay, um, I'll go two. <laughs> All right, number two. <laughs> Is that funny, Max? <laughs> All right, number two. Gold balls. <laughs> Come on. Fabio, real name. Gold balls. Real name, Fabio Medina. Oh, man. First appearance, the Uncanny X-Men, volume number three, number one, 2012. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> After manifesting his 2012? powers, what be 2012? After manifesting his powers while being a victim during a robbery, Medina discovered that he had the amazing ability to generate and fire golden balls from his body. The balls are made of an unknown substance and vary in size and trajectory, nailing his enemies with a signature poink noise. The balls may <laughs> may be reabsorbed by gold balls or in some cases, disappear after the fight. Despite his success in taking down the blockbuster Sentinel and Cyclops' repeated invitation for him to join the X-Men, Gold Balls we decided to return balls, to his dude. home. Join us. He returned to his home so that he may learn to control his new power. So this is kind of, I'm, I'm kind of split because when I think of superhero stuff, Right. Or, or, or universes or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, Chase was really honing in on the fact that Deadpool has comedic value. Right. I don't really feel like X-Men has much of that. I feel like it's a much more serious, you know, venture. This yeah. seems really goofy. I mean, <laughs> to just call yourself gold balls is just <laughs> preposterous. <laughs> right? Um, what about the wizard, man? I mean, he he had mongoose blood. Yeah. And he was real. I mean, fuck it. I mean... Um, <laughs> That being said, uh -huh. I think you're on the mix-up game right now. I think you're trying to. I think you're trying. You to guys pick the numbers. I think you you're trying to trap me. I, I took the meta out of the game by giving you the ability. No, the to meta is <laughs> to pick my numbers before I pick. The them. meta is if it's very good, it might just mean the max spent a lot of time on it, and if it's very goofy, he might thought I would have got me with it. All right. That being said, I'm gonna try to play into that meta. Right. And even though I don't think Gold Balls sounds like something that would go in X-Men, right. I'm going to say I think it's real. I think it's hero. He's a hero. Yeah. Chase I would have said zero. You would have said zero, Chase? Well, Chase, that's why Hunter has a point. 
Damn, dude. The gold balls. <laughs> I just thought the I thought the, I thought the, the description of the balls was too nondescript. It didn't say right. what they were made of, how they came out of his body, and See, what kind I of trajectory. The, the thing that pointed out to me was that the balls can absorb back into exactly. themselves. Exactly. It's so willy But I didn't think, I was like, I don't think Max would put that in there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, good so, yeah. for you, well, man. You're playing the fucking meta Thanks, game. man. Yeah, good job, Hunter. Surfing on the meta. You know me well, for sure. <laughs> Give me number right, seven, I got dude. a couple more. Yeah. You want number seven, the very last one here. The Condiment King. <laughs> oh, God. Real right. name? I'm already a fan. <laughs> Real name? You should be, because his name, <laughs> Chase, is Mitchell Mayo. Fuck yeah. Oh, First wow. appearance, Batman, the animated series, oh, 1995. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. After being brainwashed by the Joker, former comedian Mitchell Mayo attempts to cause havoc amongst Gotham through the use of various condiments, condiments which he fires through guns as projectiles. His character pays homage to the classic Adam West series villains of the 1940s and 50s as he berates the caped crusader with condiment-themed puns like, it's nice for you to catch up with me, and I relish this moment. <laughs> Despite his wacky and seemingly harmless approach, he is able to cause some commotion by sending people into anaphylactic shock and ultimately is taken down by Batman on top of a restaurant where he accidentally slips on some ketchup and narrowly falling to his death. Dude, it all makes sense. Right. I see all of that checking out. The fact what? that he is a part of the... <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> the f- the fact Here's where the meta is, comes in, dude. Mm-hmm. The fact that he is a part of the Joker squad. The comedian right. thing threw me off a little bit, but again, we're talking goofs here. And he's yeah. like kind of a low-time villain who is maybe on like a side avenue right. of a comic book and gets, you know, it's a very local crime, pays homage to the goofiness of the past. Right. It's just either it's true or bravo. So I got to go with Hero. <laughs> you got to go with Hero? You yeah. Hero? All right. Hunter, you have a point. You can, yeah, you can throw it out there, dude. I, I'm, I'm going to pass on wagering it. Right. I also no believe wager. this is very well sculpted. Right. Um, and, and, and I'm, and I, I feel good enough about getting my one meta point that I don't know if I would wager right. another meta Absolutely. point. You know, let the meta rest for yeah. a second. Yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta breathe. I feel on you. It. Yeah, no, I feel you. Probably pretty smart because Condiment King is real. You are nice. right. He is well a done. hero. Good job, Chase. Thank I God. knew it when I put him in. That's like we were talking about too goofy. Yeah, that's too much. <laughs> we're like, that's a joke, right? All right, Hunter, you give me a, give me a, give me maybe a three. This six. could be your last oh. one, Hunter. Yeah. All right. So you did six. Thanks, Chase. <laughs> Uh, you're welcome, dude. <laughs> All right. Number six. Hunter. Number six. Grease Trap. Hmm. Real name, Rick Relish. First <laughs> appearance, trap. The Amazing Fantasy, number 21, January in 1968. The Amazing okay. Fantasy? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what that is. It was the first comic book series that Spider Man was in. Oh, okay. Nice. Suffering from an extreme illness caused by overactive sebaceous glands relish was mocked and ridiculed throughout his life until one day he realized that his excessive greasy skin provided him with a unique set of powers allowing him to slide on his stomach and feet at great speeds slip in and out of tight spaces containment and deflect the trajectory of punches and blows to his body his this greasy skin was even resilient to spider-man's sticky webbing which he easily slipped in and out of 
Unfortunately, in an attempt to escape from jail, his body was engulfed in flames when a guard accidentally flicks his cigarette ash on him during his breakout, destroying his skin and power. Brutal. Holy shit. God, man, these are all really good. (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, I even just think, like, like, when I think of Spider-Man, all of the heroes and villains I'm thinking of as, like, depressed people that were made fun of as kids. You know, like the Goblin, fucking yeah, Peter relate. Parker, and Peter Parker. Um, Even though you guys Venom. remember in the Adam or in the animated series, they made Peter Parker like that really jacked, like dude. pretty cool. Yeah, like a cool guy. <laughs> but he was like supposed to be a nerd. He was like super jacked. He was like, I gotta go study. Like, like Clark, oh, what a dork. <laughs> Clark Kent, yeah. Gohan. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and you know, he's really f- he's really like, fast and slippery, which is the kind of fight that would go well against yeah, something a Spider-Man. Bit more you know, it all yeah, checks out. Meta. It does. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm not confident that the meta holds up here. Like, I think it's well-crafted, but I don't think it's so well-crafted that, like, you... I, I don't I don't think that this is something that you made. I, for some, th- some, re- some reason, I'm thinking something sticks out of me that's like, Hunter, <laughs> this is the real deal. <laughs> so I'm going to say this is the genuine article. This nice. is the genuine art, and, uh, and that this is a, a a real villain. Yeah, that sucks because I would have wagered to go for hero, which means I'm stagnant, and you could right. you could pull ahead of me right now, Hunter. Let's, so, okay, yeah, you're both going hero. Yes. All right. Well, he's a zero. Fuck a god damn it! <laughs> Grease strap was made up by me. You need to send in your application. It made a lot of sense. <laughs> God, made a damn. lot of oh, sense. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. This, is, this game is really for me. nerdy guy from the point. same high school hallways and everything, you know? Yeah, and that does mean that in, like, the extra scoring, that it's actually me too. You, and you no, you have three at this point. Three? Yeah. I don't even know if that... Okay, cool. Because well, I've missed it. two, and Chase has missed one. I was always going by the ones where you both... Well, I don't... Yeah, whatever. Anyways, so, whatever. fact is, guys, as we have... I'm kicking ass. Yeah, you got something. You got to guess me. Give me a number. What do you think? What are you feeling? Three? Five. Chase, or are you feeling five? Five. Feeling five? five? Yeah. All right. The Penny Plunderer. Real name, Joe Coyne. First appearance, the world's finest comics, number 30 in 1947. Once a small town newspaper salesman, Coyne was caught stealing pennies from the office and fired. Bitter and choosing to embrace the symbol of his failure, Coyne resorts to a life of crime centered around stealing pennies. His crimes are all penny-themed, like luring Batman and Robin to a trap where he then has a giant penny roll out and attempt to crush them. And then moves his headquarters. He even moves his headquarters to a penny arcade in downtown Gotham in later issues. Despite his obsession with only stealing pennies, when he is arrested after being defeated by Batman, he is sentenced to death. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So when did when when did the wonder like what you said it was Batman and Robin? Do you have like a 1947 World's Comic World's Finest Comics number 30 1947. Yeah, it's then it's it's that far back to be fucking that corny enough. And right. you said in later issues he moved his headquarters to a penny arcade, but you said that he was put to death after being defeated. Right. And because I think that's an inconsistency, I gotta go with zero. I would have gone with hero if it wasn't for that. What do you think about it, Hunter? He's gonna let him win. 
So uh, if he if this is right, so the the, the <laughs> Wait, verbatim that threw you lose. off, Chase, was that he was put to death. Yeah, is that what you said in your in your description? Yeah, he Max? was. Yeah, he was put to death after he was arrested. Like by Batman? No, no, no. Batman oh, caught him, okay. arrested him, and then the court found him guilty. Yeah, dude, he would have been to sent death. to Goth. He would have been sent to Arkham. They're not mm. fucking putting people to death. You said that his lair was in a penny arcade before saying that he was put to death after being caught. That was just my yeah. that's my thing. All right. I'm going to wager here. You're going to wager? Yeah. This is good. This is going to end it here and now. Holy shit. I'm going to wager and I'm going to say it's real. You think it's fucking oh, real? Yeah. Is there any I reason do. why in particular? Yeah, why? Or is it just a strategy? Uh, one, I just want to spice things up. <laughs> All right. And two, I, I do believe I do believe that in 1947 anything goes and this sounds really silly. And plus like I I can I can empathize with somebody who would get pissed off for being fired for something really trivial and then being like, well, fuck you. I'm going to do everything based around coins, right? So I, I can understand it. I think it's silly. It's far enough back to where I'm like, I can get it. The death thing doesn't throw me off that much because Batman didn't do it. I can, I'm can. i going to say it's real. All right. Well, here it is. Somebody's got to win right now. Well, the Penny Plunderer, that's a real hero. Damn. <laughs> Hunter, you took it. I see that bad. That was a pretty penny I just won there. I'm glad Damn. you got that one. <laughs> but just note that the very last one was one of the best heroes or zeros of all. So I guess you'll have to wait. Copy paste, Until dude. next yeah, one. I was going to say, paste, it gets bro. transferred onto the next one. I was excited to share that one. You did an excellent job. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate Game that, warden. both of you guys. You guys did a great job guessing and great <laughs> job right. playing. Hunter, Hunter wins the preseason exhibition match, man. That's He's cool. coming in strong. He's coming in strong. I hosted know. my first episode. I got all this confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? A lot of things the are happening. The panel is going to be talking about, man, Hunter's going to do great things this season. <laughs> I'm putting all my money in Hunter. But we'll just have well, to look, see because you never know. Witty banter, audience. You're moving in to the overtime segment here because we're going to dive into a couple listener questions and pull Ooh. the episode into the home stretch here. Let's, Let's go into the it. mailbag. Come get your okay, Let's it sounds it. tasty. Absolutely. First one comes from Hunter Dorsett. And I like this question despite or, not having wait, an answer. Hold up, hold up, Is it Dunter Horset? Dunter Horset or Hunter Dorsett? You said Hunter Dorset. <laughs> Dunter Horset. Okay. Dunter Horset. Gotcha. Thank you for the correction. Uh, what is a song lyric that you that you used to sing incorrectly? Oh, yeah. So... I have a good one for this, and it's a relatively recent, uh, whatever you call it. Um, it was recently yeah, created? Yeah, recently or? found out. No, no, recently oh, found out. Oh, you recently found this out. And it happened while I was at work, all right? Oh, mm-hmm. no. And I'm, and I'm there, and it's Public the end of the night. on the line. You got a bunch of people. The cooks are all mostly of uh, Spanish descent, you know, a lot of them. <laughs> so they tend to, to, to put on their, their Spanish music in the back. Yeah. And one is a classic song, Cola La Bamba. Cucaracha. La Bamba. You guys know La Bamba, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? La, 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 Bamba. Boom. Okay. So, Hunter, it's not La, 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 la Bamba. It's Para Bailar La Bamba. Para Bailar La Bamba. Para Bailar La Bamba to dance the Bamba. And I was like, hold up. And I was like, hold up, dude. And I was talking to my expo, Jose, and I was like, bro, wait, is there words there? And he's like, yeah, he says Para Bailar La Bamba to dance the Bamba. And I was like... Are you fucking kidding me? And I went around to every other server in the restaurant. I was like, guys, 
give they're me like, the give me the chorus obvious. to La Bamba. They're like, what are you talking about? La 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 Bamba. <laughs> so it was, was just like, like a fucking dude. white Hispanic divide. Yes, the it was right. It I was like that. right there in the sand. I was like, oh my god, white people are uncultured. And we we're like, what language? What are you talking about? They're just shouting things. You know what I mean? That's not <laughs> a language. They're partying, bro. Yeah, dude. And I felt so terrible. I was like, oh my god. This whole time I've been just saying la 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 Bamba. But guys. Really, it's para bailar la bamba. Well, that's a great. That's tip a there. good one, dude. Yeah. I'm happy that yeah. you had a, had one like yeah, that. Yeah, that was just, that was that was yeah. Hunter, that was do mine. you have anything? The one that sticks out most to me, I've had it happen several times. Um, the one that sticks out most to me because I got made fun of by my brothers about it was, do you remember the the song by Drowning Pools? <laughs> Let the bodies hit uh, the floor. Yeah, who doesn't, man? Who doesn't remember that opening? Did you guys ever see the music video for it? Yeah. When it's like the old man and he's like right next to his ear. Yeah. And he's like whispering the beginning yeah. and then he like screams right in his ear. <laughs> yeah. Let the body sit the Yeah. <laughs> and like the way it's saying, yeah. like you were just noting is, let the body sit the flow. Right? Yeah. I thought it was let the body sit the flow. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, really? I was like 12, you know, and I don't fucking know. And so I just I sang like it like that. that, and my brothers were like, "Wait, wait, wait, what?" And I said <laughs> that, and they're like, "Are you fucking kidding?" Um, <laughs> let the body sit the flow. Serious? I get it because I'm singing it in my head that way, and that sounds it pretty good. Sounds let like the what they body s- sit the flow. Yeah, let the body sit the flow. <laughs> 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 um, and 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 uh, one that I just never mm-hmm. knew, mm-hmm. along with the Mexican or Spanish yeah. um, tradition, is um, the Macarena. I've never known what they're saying until eh, hey, Macarena. Hi. It's like one that I'm doing, and I need a And like people say all sorts of shit in between that <laughs> whole like twelve seconds. Yeah. But I've always thought it was Still interesting. Blank, I want to learn what that is. Yeah. That's yeah. a tough one. I don't that have was hard. Very I think everybody just like universally agreed that they didn't know. Yeah, on that one. you know what I mean. <laughs> and don't like, nobody messed it up. They're like, yeah. I don't give a fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. So, Dude, I, so I spent extra time trying to think about this, and I still couldn't come up with like a good example. And I think right. a lot of that is because I fucking focus on lyrics so intently yeah. in music, True. and like hmm. a big part of my musical experience is looking lyrics up. I do right. remember like one of the very first times that I was listening to Rush, uh, I just being like talking to my asking a question to my parents about them and and insisting that the vocalist was female and my parents had to be like <laughs> getty lee is a dude and i was like this is definitely a chick i was very i was very young when that happened but i also have an example that actually comes from cole blair he used to make a mistake and i corrected him on this one and it was when the black album was out from metallica and it was sad but true and whenever he goes, you know it's sad but true. Cole used to think he was singing, you know it's Sand Patrol, and like, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of hilarious that he thought James Hetfield was singing about like this fantasy like desert patrol that was going <laughs> around. The Sand Patrol sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> like. Sand Patrol. Sand Patrol. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Um, but Damn, we have another dude. question from Dunster that I want to pitch to you guys. What board or party game are you really good at? And I like this question because I feel like growing up, we all played a lot of board games mm-hmm. and a lot of party games, both with each other and with like each other's parents and stuff. Right. We did a lot of this. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I don't know if there's really one that I think I'm like super 
good at? Um, Dude, I think our best one was the uh, there. It was that like silver little uh, like plastic device, and you would press it. There was a timer, and there was a subject, and you basically could like say whatever catchphrase. You yeah, catch catchphrases. Catch I was gonna say that because I play that with my family almost yeah. like during every like festival holiday, mm-hmm. and I've gotten pretty good. Dude, I think, I think that's one of my favorites, like ever. Yeah. That's pretty good. And if you're in sync with somebody, oh, and yeah. you're just like, um, blue. You're just uh, throwing that machine. Yeah, back. and they just, just hit hot you potato. with the fucking like business and you're like, dude, right on. Like, you just pass it on. Like, what? How did you get that from? Yeah. By the end <laughs> you just look at each other and they're like, mm, lobster shells. All right, yes. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Pass it on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that has to do. So I'm not very good at kind of like on the spot like strategizing. I usually like to take my time. So I just recently played like Mexican trained dominoes and I was not very good at that. That's a classic. Um, um, You know, we, I play poker every once in a while. I'll play, you know, a a number of different games. I'm not super good at. Um, I think the only one that might stick out to me are ones that do involve some sort of like under, like quick understanding or quick wit light catchphrase. Um, I think another one like, you know, charades is pretty fun. I'm like pretty decent at charades. Um, I mean, it's not a game. I like fucking karaoke, but uh, you know, I, I don't really have anything that I'm like excelling at in a party environment. Super good. Yeah. Before we go on this topic, I was thinking about this recently. Do y'all remember that fucking Star Wars board game that I own called like Epic Battles or Epic Duels? Yeah, that, that we used to play. Epic Duels. Yeah. Dude, right. I was thinking about that board game, and <laughs> that's still got to be like one of the best Star that Wars game, board games we've ever played, well, right? It was just like it a had the video game board game. Yeah, it had like skills and abilities. You moved around on the map. Yeah, there was strategic. You had to like, come up placing. with somebody because if you had a gun, you could shoot them from far away. That was sick. Yeah. You could be in like the line of sight. So you, if you were a lightsaber guy, you had to like weave to get towards mm. somebody. That was <laughs> was it tight. that every hero had a sidekick? Is that kind of how it went? Yeah, I think that like you could Greedo you was had a man, dude. Yeah, I think that you could like yeah. What was that? Or like you got a hero and then you picked another one that was picked, like yeah, less yeah, strong. Like you, I don't care remember if you pair buddy. them up on your own or not. Yeah, but that was yeah that was also one of our first like <laughs> when we first started talking about Greedo and how much we loved him as a character. Oh, dude, and we we're that was a like, major role in the rules. Greedo obsession, like moving down the line. You know? Yeah, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> I got to yeah. play as Greedo. Yeah, that um, was a sick game. I still totally dig that, that up. <laughs> <laughs> we should still dig that up. No, yeah, oh, I man. still own it, and like I'm gonna try to keep a hold of it for a long time. Oh, dude, totally. Um, okay, but you know what, Dunter, thank you for the questions. We have a few more that we'll get to on the next episode. So thank you right. to all who emailed in. You can do the same sure. by going to wittybantershow at gmail.com, and we'll answer your questions on the show. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and wrap things up. Guys, uh, I want to hear your final thoughts on the beer, which means, Hunter, I need your gesture. And, Max, what I want to get from you is, like, an occasion. When do you okay. see yourself? How, right, what, right. Like, where does this beer fit in? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, well, you want to go first? You, go, you hit it up? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, the, the, the tart thing sticks out, right? It is just very prevalent. And especially since, you know, it, it, it says Belgian-style ale. And I see wit too. And so when I think like a wit and a Belgian, I'm like going in like, all right, I'm going to get a little of that like banana y yeast. Mm-hmm. And wits are going to be like nice and light and kind of like, you know, I see that it's a, it's, it's a Belgian style. They say that it's a wheat ale. 
So I'm yeah. thinking it's going to be wheat, and like most wheat ales I ever see are like kind of like actually sweet. Yeah. You know, like you think of like Blue Moon or some shit right. like that. Um, so my gesticulation for this is going to be like when somebody says something unsavory and your initial response is just like, uh, uh, what? <laughs> you just said that? You just <laughs> <went> that? <laughs> but then the more you think about it, you're like, oh, that has some merit, right? So it's like, Catches it's, you off it's, guard and then it's like that in between in. point where you where you realize it just sounded either offensive or like you were just like that is just preposterous, and then moving into like the but I don't, I kind of do I kind of get it you yeah. know, so it's like yeah it's that transitional phase of not having to uh, questioning yourself right really thinking deeper about what the the facade or what the the the, the superficial. Yeah, you know, no, no, I get it. Like, like somebody said something, and you're like, "Hold up!" But you don't say this out loud, and you're right. about to say something, but then you're like, "Wait, what do I know about that?" Yeah, what, who am I right? to yeah. speak out against that like proclamation? I actually right? kind I don't of like understand. the start of this show. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's right? like being hit with the intercepts article, man. You just yeah, don't no, know what 100%. to say. You're like, that's a lot of info. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> I got to sit back a little bit. Yeah, for sure. As far as an occasion for this beer, man. I think that this beer would be like meeting up with you, Chase, and you take uh-huh. me out to a to a place, right? And you're like, you got to come here, Max. This is all the crazy, wacky stuff. You're going to love it. And we Which walk in there. For. And before we sit at our table, you're like, hold up. And you walk us over, and they have like the taps on the wall and stuff. And you're yeah. like, you're telling me about them. And then you point to this one, and you're like, dude, that one? Dude, that's the one tastes crazy. You should so try that. So I just that. order for you. Like, I'm yeah, straight like, up you should try that. curating you know the night. Exactly, right? And I get this <laughs> beer, and I pair it with food, and I'm drinking it, and you're looking at me anxiously, and you're like, yeah, I'm what like, do you so think? Like, and like, I, this whole time, I'm thinking, like, I don't want to let this guy down. I don't, I'm like, it's a good beer, but it's yeah, like, like I want to like it. Right? And then I tell you kind of my honest feelings. And I'm like, it's pretty cool. It's kind of got some weird things. And then you're like, dude, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And I was like, dude. Oh, so you're not just like really into it? And you're like, no, I just thought it was really interesting. And I was like, wow, what an honest communication we have going here. This is great. Thank you so much for like having this so we could discuss the beer. Oh That's what God. I thought. And it was going to be really great. And then I can like enjoy it more after I really that. love the idea of Chase like meeting up with somebody and be like, yo, uh, come over here. This is where all the fun and wacky things are. Yeah. <laughs> So what's up? We can hang out here and kind of do the normal thing, but I've got like a treasure trove of wackiness back here. (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) Yeah, so that's where I'm at with that. Uh, Thank you, Max. That sounds. I I totally like. I'm. I'm picking up. I'm seeing the picture that both of you guys are painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me give you my final tasting notes on the Espelon Tequila Blanca. The flavor profile that I want to kind of put out to you guys is I actually think there is like a little bit of an earthy grit to this where Mm. like I almost feel like I can taste the plant material that this stuff was fermented from Mm. and it very much has this sort of like grounded earthy flavor and I like that because it really pairs with the description that they put on the bottle about it being like from the land and made in Mexico and about the pride of sort of where it was coming from. And it's almost like, yeah, I'm straight up eating your country right now. <laughs> Taste the dirt ground up mouth. roosters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's sort of the flavor profile, which is not what I was expecting. It was kind of hard for me to even get there. I still think this would be a fantastic. Uh, margarita drink and I do still think it has a little bit of sweetness because it is made from agave at the end of the day so all the typical tequila characteristics are there so this one's really good and I feel like it is now a nice analog to the other tequila brand that we started with on these last two like I have two kind of different 
types that are almost on equal footing. Oh, man. Dope, man. It sounds like you're really digging the tequila, man. Yeah, you sound like you're turning into a tequila boy, man, and I like that. Yeah, it's, I've, dude, I mean, yeah, all three of these have been great, you know, like great experiences. That's what this show's about, man. For sure. Great experiences. Good vibes. Great experiences. Let's go ahead and sign off. All the wackiness. It it makes me sad to do so, but it's time to end episode 161. Uh, You can find Witty Banter on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, Hit subscribe. All of the episodes show up in your download queue for free. Go ahead and leave a review if you haven't already. We've already worked our way up to 10 five-star reviews, which is fucking awesome. Thank you all so much. That's awesome. That legitimately helps us boil to the top of algorithms and get discovered. Uh, the yeah. show has kind of been in a retraction recently, but as I think we kind of hold on to our core audience, it would be great to kind of grow that out again. Mm-hmm. So feel free to share the show. You can also send people to our website, which is just wittybantershow.com. You can follow us on Twitter. We are at wittybantershow. I am at Bodacious Chase. Max is at Probably Max. And Hunter has a YouTube channel about cryptocurrency and blockchain technology called Crypto Diesel. So could please go find him there. Max, Hunter, I will see you next time. The day's... Till August are becoming fewer and fewer. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. It's less than a month away almost, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah three and a half up. weeks. It's Holy good stuff. Cow. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, great stuff. Better, better, better.